Hi, sisters, and welcome to another episode of E-Girls. We're your hosts. I'm Emma. And I'm Eleanor. So this week we have a very exciting topic, mega churches, which I think we started thinking about because you recommended the Hillsong documentary yes. on Discovery Plus called Hillsong, A Mega Church Exposed. So yeah, we'll kind of start there and then talk about mega churches as a whole. Yes. And yeah, it's a really big topic and we want to cover obviously it's mostly bad it's really mega but topic. yeah, it's a really mega mega topic. <laughs> There's like mostly bad, but there are some like positives yeah. that we want to talk about and then um what makes a mega church a mega church? Yeah. What are the things that create a mega church? So yeah. we like to see both sides. Yeah, we're trying we're to be objective, objective journalists. <laughs> um Sometimes it's hard, but yeah. we are objective. Yeah. So I just watched the Hillsong documentary. You watched it a little bit ago. Yeah, I watched right? it like three weeks ago, so it's not super fresh. But it's good that you can like bring up things that I can like remember. Yeah. Yeah, Hillsong is interesting because it's something that I've always heard about, but I never really knew what it was. Yes. I knew that it was like linked to music. Yeah, and we actually had a friend in high school who like was thinking about going to Hillsong, like, school. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Reagan. Yeah. Yeah. Sister Reagan. Sister Reagan. Our good friend, Sister Reagan, yeah. who was, like, thinking about going to, like, go to the singing school yeah. that we kind of, we might touch on in the future. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I would say at the center of Hillsong is the music. That's, like, why they became such a big name. Yeah. And, like, have such a wide-reaching audience. But it started in Australia in the... 80s sounds about right i think in the 80s by a guy named brian houston and his father um but really it only becomes relevant to us in the 2010s when it expands into the u.s and it becomes a big celebrity spot in new york city oh yeah which i'm still kind of confused so there were, like, Hillsong locations all over the country, but the biggest one was in New York. Okay, so, like, my assessment of it is that, like, the the Hillsong New York campus was the one that was broadcast across the country. Oh, okay. And I don't know for sure because I want to say there's, like, areas in Los Angeles, too, but, like, I want to say that the New York one was broadcast across the country as if, like, a satellite campus. Yeah. Um, I can't say for sure, though. Yeah. I think it was number one. Yeah. It's shocking to me, though, that there was never a Hillsong in Nashville. Yeah. You would think. You would think, but then, like, you really think you're like, wait, there are similar Oh, yeah. Places. I guess the market is already Yeah, it's pretty saturated here. It's pretty saturated. <laughs> um, and it is interesting, like, places that may not have traditionally been religious or Christian-focused um, places are the places where these... Places are lo- you don't see That's these places true. in the South. That's what I'm trying to say. That's it's like, true. The South is, like, saturated with Christianity, but then when you go to places where it is not the norm as much, yeah. that's where these people are placed themselves. And I don't know exactly why that is, but it is, like, a I, thing to point out. That is a good thing to point out. Yeah, yeah. it's like they want those yeah. sinners, they want the They want the vulnerable. Yeah, which just reminds me, I was listening to something else on Mega Churches, and they kind of touched upon Young Life. 
Oh. And how the whole goal of Young yeah. Life would be to kind of target the popular kids at school because then from there it like reaches everyone else and everyone wants to be in oh, on it. Yeah. So that kind of feels like this is the big version of when that, you think about you target... who they target. Yeah, Young Life was like, oh, I like was obsessed with Young Life in high school, mm-hmm. and I like look back and I'm like, it was a fun experience, but like so toxic. Yeah. I did it. Yeah, we year. both we both went to Shark Top. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, and then, like, looking back, I literally, I was talking to a friend from high school, and we both did this thing where we went and worked at a camp in, like, a different state Mm -hmm. for, like, a month, and we're not paid. We did it for free. Yeah. It was some of the hardest work I've ever done, and I literally was, like, I sold my soul to Young Life, like, in high school. I was obsessed. And it's just, like, a testament to, like, what these types of organizations can do, even though, like, this is on a much smaller scale, and it's not the same, but they do create a, like, environment of like welcome like we love you we want you to be here like I'm pretty sure like Young Life's motto is something like like I wish I could remember it's like we want you here or like you're you there's a place for you something like that to where it really does invite you in and that's what a lot of these big organizations do and like we're gonna get into money a little bit but like um, for one of my classes for my um, grad school we looked into nonprofits and the amount of money that they um, make a year and yeah. Young Life is loaded. I Let me tell it. you. I believe it. Is it is loaded. And like, I don't know, it's churches on the other hand can get away with some things because mm-hmm. Young Life is a nonprofit. Churches can like avoid a lot of these like tax things that nonprofits can't get away with. Yeah. So sorry, I went on a little tangent, but that's a little thought to add on to that. Yeah. yeah. Churches should be taxed, but we'll get more into money. Yes. Later. Yes. But yeah, so it's kind of like if you think about Young Life, it's like they're targeting the popular hot mm. places. They're targeting New York City. They're targeting LA. But yeah, so New York is where we see the rise of the star of Hillsong, Carl Lenz, which just looking Ooh. at him, you can look at him and it's like something's not right here. Like, you're kidding me, right? You guys all thought that this was like a good guy. Not to judge a like, book by its cover. And but it's not the- to say that like, there couldn't be like a good it's not the fact that he's like a preacher it's the fact like the way he acts and the way he like he acts the way he dresses it's just not compatible it's not yes exactly not compatible you know and it's not like you see him and it's like that's a bad dude but i'm like i'm sorry there's just something off there's something off about it you know there's the pictures of him walking around so spoiler alert he becomes good friends with justin bieber which was an interesting, like, mutually beneficial relationship because I think it came about, again, in early 2010s when Justin Bieber was going through his legal problems. He was, like, drunk driving. He had assaulted a paparazzi. And Carl Lenz steps in as his spiritual advisor. advisor. So, you know, from the outside, it's like, oh, Justin Bieber's turning his life around. Mm -hmm. He's getting it together. He's a Christian man. And Carl Lenz is now, like, with the most popular guy in the world, probably, in 2013, 2014. Like, one of the most famous people on the face of the earth. Yes. So, he just blew up from there Mm -hmm. and became the celebrity pastor. And, again, I remember seeing him here and there. Like, I feel like I was vaguely aware that this guy existed, but I didn't know his name and I didn't know specifics. But, yeah, he really is, like, the celebrity pastor. Oh, yeah. And, like... He completely embodies that role, I guess, in the way he acts and dresses. But he um, also 
um, has a dark side. Yes. And sure. the documentary goes pretty deep into that. And like the first, I would say the first episode kind of builds it up, mm-hmm. builds up the whole organization, like basically exposes you to like what they are, their tactics, how they act and like how they've impacted people. And then the second episode really goes into Carl Lentz and like his downfall. Yeah. So yeah. And something that's interesting about Carl is everyone they interview, because they interview a lot of former members, a lot mm-hmm. of former like people who worked for Hillsong. And they all, like, it's clear this is just one of the most charismatic people on Earth. Which doesn't really come across when you're just watching, I guess, now that we know who he really is. Yeah. But, like, I don't feel like I've ever met someone like that. Like, they're such interesting people where it's like, you're clearly so charismatic. You can just, like, reel anyone in. They're terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying. And I don't, yeah, I feel like that's, like, a In college, I met people like that. Really? And it was terrifying. Like, and it's always, I don't know. I would say I have a pretty good, like, discernment initially. Like, it's creepy. Like, when you're, like, love-bombing me, like, the second I meet you, that's, like, not normal. Yeah. And that's not – and that's kind of how, like, these churches collectively act. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, and so the way that they appeal to these, you know, people who don't – who haven't traditionally been drawn to church, these, like, young people in the city who – you know, it's like church. They're lonely. Like, the church the city's huge. Yeah. And I think I wrote down a quote that one of the guys said, one of the, like, former ushers said. And it's like, you know, there's not a lot of Christians in New York, but there's a lot of sinners. Mm-hmm. And this is a very, like, vague, broad way for them to go and get these, like, encouraging, feel-good messages without really having to engage with any, like, meaningful inner inner dialogue about their sins about like what they're struggling with you mm-hmm. know what i mean it's kind of like they're just getting like you said like love bombed with yeah. these positive messages these motivational messages there's no real like scripture or mm-hmm. um yeah it's just not like a deeply like biblical focus like i wouldn't say these types of churches are like i mean obviously they're christian churches they use the bible but yeah. like it doesn't appear as if they're like super biblical focused because they want to create a message that is extremely broad and like can embody everyone. Yeah. It's so, like not personal. It doesn't. Yeah. yeah there's it's no very like, fluffy. It's very fluffy. Like it's, you said, it's yeah. like, it's like I, if I, if I went there on the average day and yeah, you were talking about this early, but it's like almost like you go to a church to get, and it's like a motivational speech. It's like a Ted talk, a Ted talk. Very good. Yes. And, like, there are, like, biblical things sprinkled in there, but for the most part, it's, a, it's like, more of a TED Talk. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. it's, like, you get to go every Sunday. It's, like, you know, it's an event. You get to get dressed up. There's a lot of people there, a lot of people wanting to get in. It's a hot event. You get to hear this TED Talk, and you feel good. It's, like, mm-hmm. well, Jesus loves me. Like, everything's great. And then you want to come back next week again and bring all your friends. So, exactly. it was a very successful model. And the music. The music, the music sure. really will reel you in. It's not like you know, like a traditional church, like I grew up at. We were singing hymns. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very charis, like you said, charismatic, like rock show almost. Like rock show is a little extreme. Yeah, depends on the type of rock show you go yeah. to. But you know, it's very hype, very like um, big, big build up on the songs, big repeating. Sometimes the the worship leaders will like go off on their own tangents, mm-hmm. like being like, <laughs> like, like just repeating things. Like, yeah. I don't know. 
<laughs> they got the words up on the screen. Yes. Singing your heart out. Yes. That's how the church was that I grew, grew up at. Which we yeah. can discuss more later when we're Yeah, we can about talk about our backgrounds. If it is yeah. or is not a mega church. Yeah. But yeah, so it was an extremely successful model. And I think the first problems that started forming, at least for people within the organization, like some of the people they were talking to for the documentary, was when you see it literally started to be like divided into priority seating essentially like there was a vip section in the front for the select for celebrities for justin bieber for kylie and kendall and nba players and you know all these famous people who were going they had their own section they got to sit in the front they bought their way in essentially yeah not with I mean, money but with like exposure prestige with prestige yeah. yeah so that's where I think some people started feeling really icky about it. Uncomfortable. Yeah, because it is. Yeah, and one of the ushers was saying, like, he one time accidentally, you know, sat a quote-unquote normal person in the VIP section and was, like, chewed out because they don't sit normal people in the VIP section. So oh, it's like, chills. Yeah, is that what Jesus would want? Yeah, it's like, come on. Like, I get, like, it's almost like they feel, and I get why, because, like, someone would go to the church because a celebrity goes there. Yeah. But like, then it's like, it's a celebrity church. I don't know. It's like a interesting dynamic. Yeah. So that's where it kind of shows itself. You know, it's being run more as a business than as a church. And I think at its core, that's what Hillsong is. It's a corporation. It's a business. And at the core of that is their music because Obviously, no one really buys CDs anymore. I'm sure there's still people who buy, like, Hillsong CDs. But, Mm -hmm. you know, like, in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, that's how they were making all their money, selling these CDs. Now they sell, you know, these conferences that they go to, concerts. um, People pay big bucks for the concerts. Yeah. For real. And merch, too. Like, yeah, I know people from one of my jobs that, like, you know, they every day it's, like, a different, like, Jesus affiliated artist outfit. Like, I'm like, go off. Okay, I guess. So they're just like making so much money off of these opportunities and it's not taxed and they're getting so much free labor from their congregants. They are using their church members as free labor. Mm -hmm. I think one guy they were interviewed literally would do like the lights and the you know, like the technical Hard stuff. stuff that you should be paid for. Yeah, where he was like, I'm exhausted every week. This is like what I do for my actual job. And I'm putting in just as much work for Hillsong. But God and you're told, not going to pay me. But like, it's like, it's like them. It's like, saying, like God told me that you should do this. Yeah, like, God it's told like you're me, doing God's like work. Like you're doing God's work. So like, even though it's like exhausting, like you're doing it for a greater good. Like it's like, in theory, yes, but you still deserve to be paid. Yeah. Like, I don't care. I don't care if God is glad. Like, God wants you to be able to, like, have a living. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, no, it's ridiculous. It's just exploitative. Exactly. Good stuff. Yeah. And so Hillsong also has two campuses of their college, Hillsong College, which isn't, like, a real college. It's for, like, young people who want to be, like, preachers. Preachers, I, I think, and also, like, musicians. So, yeah. Like, you want to be, like, a real... Uh, a spiritual like leader musician in a church i think that's basically it but it's like almost like a training school for evangelicals basically yeah i would say charismatic evangelicals yeah so there's one in sydney and there's one in arizona 
Which, yeah, it's like if you're a young person, especially in America, why wouldn't you want to go live in Sydney mm-hmm. and do Hillsong College? Like, it probably seemed like the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. And then they interview some people who did it, and it just was not what they thought it was going to be. It was, yeah, they were basically using them for their labor. They didn't have any empathy for them, for their situations. Like, they would so get sad. personal information from them and then use it against them. Like, one girl talked about how she had been sexually assaulted Mm -hmm. when she was younger. And they basically told her, like, we forgive you for that because you did wrong and you need to be forgiven for that. Like It's like her fault. Yeah, basically saying it's your fault and then punishing (sighs) her for that, but being like, but we forgive you. So, yeah, just really just the hypocrisy of, like, it's so yeah so then talking about like purity culture that feeds back into carl lens yes lens 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 i I think it's lens yeah lens german or something Hmm. so he (laughs) yeah so he early on in his career was at a different church i don't remember it was a church i want to say in like a it was a coastal church like it was like a very it sounded seems like a beachy vibe Mm -hmm. don't know where can't say where but yeah so he uh was a preacher there and that was like his big start and the way he treated some like people in his congregation specifically women yes was like very not okay yeah well he it sounds like he was just obsessed with preaching about purity culture Mm -hmm. about how yeah almost like sex is a sin above all else outside of marriage Mm -hmm. and then they play a clip where he's like and I'm not just like, you know, we don't stop talking about this when you're, you know, not teenagers anymore. It's like you're preaching to grown adults about purity culture. Like, clearly you are fixated on this for a reason. Hmm. And shocker, it's because he's just completely projecting because he's, I don't like a nymphomaniac behind the scenes. Like yeah. he's like trying to get with all these women within the church. He's having an affair. He's cheating on his wife. Like not surprising at all just projecting all of this shit all of the guilt that he feels mm-hmm. about his own misgivings like just projecting that onto his whole congregation and it had like real impacts on people like they talked to this woman who was like 18 or something she was very young i want to say just like around that age yeah but yeah her and her boyfriend um she was like it was sad because mm-hmm. she you can tell like she felt horrible about this but they like in one like i guess like intense moment yeah. ac- accidentally had sex yeah and um accident like i don't know like they had sex um but she it, she honestly made it seem like it was like they reached that decision like logic not logically but you know it was kind of like okay we're doing this yeah and then her boyfriend goes kind of behind her back and like stands up in church and goes to Carl and like basically asking for forgiveness and asking for counseling and then remember when um he basically was like well did did you wear a condom and she was like yes and he was like well and that was premeditated yeah you were trying to do this you were doing this not you get what I'm saying like he was making them like it wasn't even like a sexual thing it was like oh you wanted to disobey God basically Yeah, so this poor girl thought that her and her boyfriend had, like, reached this decision together, you know, they're mature, they're gonna have sex, and then her boyfriend, you know, 
feels guilty about it and goes behind her back and now they're both it's like, like an altar call being yeah they go up to the tr- in the middle of the church service he like raises his hand in front of everyone yeah and so she's like i guess i need to go too yeah because she knew it was gonna happen yeah and then of course i'm sure carl like you know not put more of the blame on her but he definitely yeah does not like women that's for sure so yeah and she's like yeah i was like of course we did and he just lashes out and uses that against her. So, and then he told them that they had to break up. Yeah, that up. was, he was like, like, no, he was like, y'all can't like see each other for six months or something like that. He had like a time limit of like how long you couldn't even like see each other. I want to say. And I feel like a pastor is like a therapist in the sense that they should not be telling you directly what you should do. Yeah, I guess in some cases it's different, but like in theory, that's like the best. I feel like that's the best. The best prep pastor. That's what it should be like. Yeah, it's that's n- not how it works. And like when you get branch off of like, I don't know, more progressive leaning yeah. churches, I would say. Yeah, in theory, I feel like it should be like a therapist where it's like, okay, they're helping you work through these things. They're giving you suggestions. They're leading you maybe in a certain way, but not telling you what you but should or right should and not wrong, do. Eleanor. There's right and wrong. But yeah, so it's like, I'm just kidding, guys. And joke. that's like such an explicit direction. Like, don't see each other for six months. Like, what the fuck? That's so. It was bizarre. something along those lines. But yeah, he he obviously has a lot of flaws. Yeah. So, you know, long story short, Carl Lentz is just projecting all of this shit onto other people because he is just a womanizer and is. I don't know. I mean, he had an affair with one woman for, like, months and months. Yeah. And then I couldn't tell if he actually was hooking up with a lot of other women or he just was coming on. I don't know if they outright said it, but, like, obviously, because it wasn't exposed, like, the the other woman, they probably just tried to sweep it under the rug. That's a common thing, too, with churches. It's, like, they would rather um, cover up that type of stuff, even though it is, like, wrong, because they don't – it would reflect bad on the collective church. So, like, they'll cover it up as long as they can. Yeah. That's what I notice. Yeah. But the interesting thing with Carl Lentz and Hillsong is it's kind of implied in the documentary that Carl was becoming too big. Carl had completely eclipsed Brian Houston at this point. Mm. No one even knew who Brian Houston was anymore. And so then, you know, Brian and the higher ups find out that, you know, Carl's having this affair and that he's been having affairs. And it's like, okay. Of course they could have covered that up if they wanted to, Mm -hmm. but they didn't want to. I think they wanted to bring him down because they were like, he has gotten too big for us. He is too big of a star. And now we are going to like completely throw him under the bus for everything, basically for all the wrongdoings of Hillsong as a whole. It was like, once he got in trouble, they were like, okay, he's the best scapegoat. Yeah. I don't think it was initially, I don't think initially they were like targeting him, but like, it's like, he did one bad thing, so it's like, oh, we're going to blame him for everything yeah. bad that we've done. Because it makes it easier. You can just sweep the blame off of him. Yeah, him. and once Carl fell, I feel like more people, <laughs> especially journalists, were digging more and more into it. And that's where they kind of got more into finances mm-hmm. and how these pastors across the country and across the world, these Hillsong pastors, were basically given like preloaded credit cards, you know, loaded with their congregation's donations. And they were spending them on uh, designer clothes, designer bags that they would wear cars, when they preach trips, 
yeah like it wasn't like a secret either like they they would like post they would post videos and photos of them with all these very nice things and like i'm like how did people like i don't know they would show up to church wearing gucci it's like what yeah and it's like surely the congregation was putting two and two together yeah like where's this money coming from where's this insane amount of money carl lenz shows up wearing a ten thousand dollar gucci jacket like what and so yeah they interview a guy who made an instagram sneakers and preachers yes right where he would basically just post pictures of preachers across the country like celebrity preachers and then show the exact articles of clothing they were wearing and and how how much they cost and carl lentz a lot of people went after him and wanted him to take the page down and i think he said he talked to carl one-on-one and carl was like come on man like he was like carl was convincing me because he's so charismatic yeah this guy was like i kind of wanted to but then i realized i didn't want to yeah he said like a lot of people tried to get him to reveal his identity like preachers and sneakers identity Mm -hmm. and he hadn't to anyone else and then he gets on the phone with carl and he's like this is my name this is who i am because carl is just like a hypnotizer i guess he's just that charismatic that even through the phone it's literally so scary it's so scary. And I'm like, how many people like that are there out there? It's like a, I don't know, like, I have no idea for him. I don't know if they, I don't remember if they got into this, but, like, he, like, is, like, probably, like, a narcissist. Oh, for sure. For sure. But, like, yeah. th- is there another, like, I don't know. We we don't need to get into yeah. that diagnosing him, but I'm yeah. like, is there another disorder that he could have that is related to that? But, um. Certainly narcissism. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's like kind of you kind of have to be a narcissist in a way, or For in my sure. opinion, you kind of have to be like have at least narcissistic qualities to even be a celebrity. To be a celebrity, yeah. To be a politician, yeah, yeah. Like to have that many eyes on you and to enjoy it and to want that, like maybe not full blown all the time, but like in a way, it's yeah. like to be okay. Yeah, to be okay with that many people like being interested in you. Yeah. yeah stay away especially when you're someone like a politician or a preacher yes other things you know if you're like an actress or a musician you at least like are an artist you're creating creating for people to see or view or hear yeah whereas a pastor or politician it's like you're just promoting yourself and you rely on your followers for your job yeah and your well-being yeah so without them and i mean i guess it's the same for a musician too but like it's more about what you create not about you yeah and it's just like the total cult of personality yeah is what these mega churches have turned into so yeah carl lenz got too big and he had to be (laughs) taken down he flew too close to the sun which if you think about it it's really not as I'm not going to say it's not bad, you know, like I wasn't sure if it was like a whole like sexual abuse scandal. I mean, in reality, he's just kind of a scumbag and yeah. he was like messaging a lot of women, like these cringy shirtless Snapchat videos and like he's having this affair <laughs> with a woman. So gross. Also, I'm like, there's no way his wife wasn't aware that this was happening. No, I agree. I she agree. probably was like, I don't care because we're rich now. <laughs> we're like rich yeah. and famous, you know? Like, there's no way that his wife didn't know that At that least, was happening. At least, like, yeah, it's like when you see all the stuff that the way that they communicated and, like, how often they were, saw each other, it's like, there's, yeah, exactly, there's no way. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Carl, it's kind of funny, you know? It's like, I don't think he's, 
an evil cut. person necessarily. I think he's just like a narcissist who somehow became very, very famous and then his fuckboy ways took him down. Yeah. And now what's he do? <laughs> I don't know what he's doing now. He's probably in hiding right now, especially after the documentary came out. Yeah. He'll probably have to give it a couple years. Yeah. Is he still with his wife? Did I they talk? I mean. Yeah. But they don't believe in divorce, maybe. Maybe not. That's the thing with these church. It's like they're beliefs are so inconsistent you know where i feel like they literally it's like to a point it's like whatever they believe exactly Exactly. that's what we're talking about with like mega churches which we'll talk about in a second but like um they kind of get to pick and choose what they believe they don't have like a doctrine that like oversees how they govern or like lead yeah they have no accountability yeah it's like they can bend the rules as they wish like whatever benefits exactly that's a great example of brentwood um uh mega church leader cult leader whatever you want to call her but she um was married and then like originally divorce was not allowed in her church for like years for like yeah 20 she years, like banned she it it banned was not divorce. allowed and then of course she needs to get divorced because she's like not happy yeah. in her marriage or whatever we don't know the details and oh it's okay like changed my mind i think she literally was like it's okay in my specific case. Like, it's okay in it's specific sp- cases God would allow this. But, but it's still, still not wrong. for you. It's still wrong for you. Only like, in women specific in our special cases. Towards, like, how could someone follow that person? Yeah. And not be like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. For sure. So, in the third and final episode of the Hillsong documentary, we kind of circle back to Brian Houston, which just listening to him talk, he actually sounds like a cartoon villain. Like, no joke. He, <laughs> Dr. Doofenshmirtz? Yeah, like his voice is ridiculous. <laughs> I thought that they were like doing one of those things where they obscure the identity of someone they're interviewing, you know, and they like make their voice really cool. But it's just how he talks. So if oh you want to watch God. it for that reason alone, I was like, what? <laughs> so yeah, Brian Houston and I don't really know where Hillsong stands now. I feel like they didn't really go into that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still around, obviously, but it's not what it was. Yeah. And Brian Houston certainly isn't drawing more people in. But what they did show of him, he gives very, like, Trump vibes. Where he's essentially completely turned on the media. Because the media is <laughs> trying to bring them down. The fake dumb news, fake baby. news media. Fake news. Like our podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's going to sue us. Sorry, um, Brian. <laughs> so, yeah, he basically preaches to his followers now that the news is bad, fake. You can only trust what he says. They're trying to bring down Hillsong and it's all bullshit. Um, He's basically Jesus. Like, <laughs> yeah, like the. the parallels of him and trump it's like okay yeah so that's what they're doing yeah but it worked for trump yeah for it's sure. like it's like this guy probably has a big following still yeah i don't know i don't i didn't really keep up with the how it is now but yeah so that's kind of where it's at you know where yeah. it's like very maga vibes and the thing about mega churches, it's like funny that this started in Australia because as a whole, it just seems so quintessentially American. Everything about it, like Hillsong. Big, capitalistic, like, like it's like all greedy. about how many people are we bringing in? Like how many, like there's like organizations where it's more about like, oh, how many like 
like evangelicals will be like, oh, we saved this many lives. Oh, yeah. They like, it's not the about statistics. the number. They're like, we need to count how many lives we save so we can tell everyone how many lives we save because it's all about the numbers and money. Have you ever watched? Not the same, but right, you know. Have you ever watched Righteous Gemstones? I haven't, but I mean, it's, I know it's on HBO. Yeah. So it's basically making fun of, or not basically, it, it is like a it. parody of mega churches. Yeah. Um, and that just reminds me of an, I think it's like one of the first episodes where they're doing this mass baptism event in this like wave pool (laughs) and they're like, it's a father and then two sons. And one of the sons is like the hipster youth pastor. And the other one is just kind of like, you know, following in daddy's footsteps. And they're like, fuck, like how many of these do we have to go through? And they're just like dunking people. Like, (laughs) like, like, let's get through it, get through it, get through it, get through it. (laughs) <laughs> and then the wave pool starts going and they're like <laughs> it's really funny it's a good show i haven't I think watched i would probably like it a lot but i've you heard like a lot it. about it you would like it it's uh. really funny and in season two this isn't a spoiler but they make their own streaming network called god g-o-d-d gemstones on direct demand <laughs> like it's so they're funny. so creative yeah so creative but it's like all that stuff's been done before but it's funny to know that they're they're set making it satire yes i love that and i love danny mcbride he's the one who created it yeah um what was i saying about hillsong brian okay so then we go back into brian houston Mm. and like the really sinister origins of the church with his father I'm trying to remember the dad's name. I don't remember the dad's Ugh, name. But basically the dad know. was a pedophile who preyed on young boys. And the church that he, the church that became Hillsong, like it was called something else. But it basically was like the dad founded it. And he was like preying on young boys for years and years and years. And then in the 90s, one of the young boys who's now a grown man Mm -hmm. kind of finally came forward and when he was a young boy he told his mom like he told adults in his life that the pastor had done this to him and the mom was like you don't want to be responsible for people you know turning away from the church and going to hell as a result so hell we love scare tactics it's like you're literally sending people to hell because you were abused by a grown adult like how fucked up do you have to be to treat your own child that way like it's brainwashed though i don't feel you know what i mean like yeah it's it's it is fucked up though like i agree no i know it's not like the mom is like an individual actor here like it's just this whole system where yes not only our children and of course like we see this in the catholic church too yeah big time but not only is like the abuse itself traumatizing, but like maybe even more traumatizing is how the system fails them completely. The adults around them fail them. Like they don't get any justice, any closure from it. So weirdly, like the, I mean, this man did not get closure, but in the Mm nineties, I guess he came forward. No, I take that back. He didn't come forward. So the dad was sick at this point and knew that he was dying. And he was like, I'm going to go to hell because I'm a pedophile. So I need to like make amends, not because I genuinely am remorseful for what I did, but because I like don't want to face God for what I did. Like I need, you know, to be forgiven so that I can go to heaven. Yeah, basically. Like, Just basically completely like, self-serving. Yeah. Say my like sins, express my sins and 
repent. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So this guy's like, fuck you. And then he offers him $10,000, which is like just for the amount of money they had, you know, it's not like any amount of money would have made it okay or like. I want to see how much it's helped. Worth. It was worth at its peak. Yeah. But like 10000 it's like, are you kidding me? And the place that they like made this man come meet and negotiate was at a McDonald's. Like he wrote what? down the offer on a McDonald's napkin, $10,000. Do you agree to this? Yes or no? Like, it was just so unbelievably disrespectful to this guy who had been victimized for years by this man. Yeah. How much was it worth? Okay, so let me, this is, this is co- the collective Hillsong Empire. So this would include, like, music, uh, movies, like, whatever, you know, like, all the things in there. So it's not just, like, churches. But the Hillsong Empire pulled in tax-free revenues of nearly $80 million in Australia last year and more than $100 million internationally. And this was in 2015, so this was prior to the Carl Lentz scandal. So, like, this is what we're looking at at the time when, when it was at its peak. Yeah. $100 million internationally. Yeah, so they were like, here's $10,000 to this God. guy. <laughs> like, just oh, insane no. how depraved these people were. And Brian Houston was totally aware of this money because the dad was like, okay, we wrote it down on the McDonald's napkin. Basically, this is like an agreement. If you don't get the money, like contact (laughs) me or my son and we'll make sure you get the money. Like what the actual fuck? And at this point, the guy's like, fine, fine. Just give me the money. Like, I just want this to be over with. I don't want to see you. I don't want to be. That's so re-traumatizing too. Yeah. You know? This poor man. And then he actually became public. Like, he came out publicly in 2018. Mm-hmm. So, like, recently. Yeah. Um, when all of this other stuff was coming out. Just yeah. to, like, bring attention to it again. And then, of course, like, more victims of the father came forward. So, and then they show these deposition videos of Brian Houston talking about how he was allegedly, like, completely unaware that these things were happening. Even though he signed off on these, like you know, payments to silence people. Like, he was fully aware that his dad was a pedophile and that his dad had, you know, preyed on people for years and years and years. Churches love NDAs, man. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Yeah. I've been, yeah, I've been learning about that recently with a friend. Yeah. Messed up. So, in 1999, I guess, Brian Houston claims, like, I know about my father and he will never again preach in a Hillsong church. Like he will never again. And then, you know, surfaces of recording from 2004, which is when his dad died. Frank. I just remember that's his name. Frank. Frank. It's like, honestly made me feel sick to my stomach. So it's just a recording they play from a church service in 2004 that Frank is giving. And he calls out, he's like so many young boys in here today. You, young sir, how old are you? Eight? You're eight years old. What a handsome... Oh, how lucky you are to be <gasps> that so That is disgusting. Handsome. He's oh literally, like, talking about this, like, little boy. And it's just knowing who he is and what he is is, like, sickening. And then they bring that to Brian Houston's attention and he's like, I didn't know that this was happening. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's so... Yeah, Sick. people like to hide behind their lies and their religion and it's a, it's a 
church is like just a breeding ground for like bad people to go and take advantage of vulnerable people who trust who are too easily trusting and it's really messed up and i mean it's like obviously you can't it's like harsh to use that as a blanket statement for all churches but like it happens everywhere yeah it's not like we're talking about mega churches but it does happen in like so many places and it's like also with the whole um perspective of like oh forgiveness is like our main focus people are forgiven for like these fucked up things that they do to people children Mm -hmm. like and it's on the grounds like that's what god would do but it's like god what the like it's just it just gets so messed up and um, yeah and there's this belief that yeah like you're kind of touching on no matter what i do as long as i apologize to god it's okay you know, at the end of the day, as long as I, like, repent to God, I can still go to heaven. Like, who cares what, like, the effect that I've had on other people in real life? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, again, just such a self-serving, self-centered, egotistical view of the world that so many of these people have. Mm-hmm. Where the only thing that matters is what they want. Yeah, is what they want. And they say that God is telling me to do this. And it's like, that's just what you want to do. That's what you're conscious of. You're using God as an excuse to do these things. And then you're excusing your actions by saying, well, I apologize to God. And I know that he forgives me. I know that he forgives me because he forgives everyone. That's the thing. It's like. Yeah. It's just like anything can be like twisted in that respect. And like, it's really disappointing. But we probably pretty well covered Hillsong. Yeah. So we wanted to go a little bit into talking about, I mean, we've already, I mean, we touched on most of these things, but like some pros and cons of mega churches. Yeah. Um, and okay. So we'll talk about the good first. Cause we want to like, you know, soften them up first. Yeah, there are some good little. things. So like the first thing, the first, well, these are really like all kind of go together. Um, but I think mega churches offer, a community for people who like lack that in their lives yeah. and like going to a, and it might be scary to go into smaller places that feel like more like clicky isn't the right word but you know what I mean going to a bigger community where there's like all these small teams and like oh this is the um you can join this team or you can join this team like based on your skills and like talents and like oh you're going to join this team but then it's like you are probably doing free labor like we said but like like you are immediately they'll like they are so quick they'll place you into community so fast there's probably a million bible studies community groups whatever which is like a great thing um for someone who like is lonely is desiring that in their lives yeah and i think that's like one really positive thing yeah that like you think about and it's like that's what cults do. Too. Oh, true, true, true. <laughs> but that's like what most organizations do. Yeah, like, you know yeah. what I mean? We think about it, it's like most like big organizations have cult like characteristics. Yeah. But that's kind of like what we talk, what they talk about on one of our fave pods, um, almost a cult or something like that. Yeah. Um, and like it's like a sorority too. Like that's like what a sorority does. Yeah. yeah um, and then another thing is. Uh, that we really like about it is and I think like one of the things that I see positive in is um, their outreach programs and I mean obviously these could have like 
bad intentions too, but ultimately um, big churches have the money and funding to do more significant like outreach programs in the community for like at-risk youth or um, creating, I don't know, like programs for like food or resources for people in the community, which is a good, obviously a good thing ultimately. Yeah, Um, for sure. We go back to like, okay, like what is the intention behind that? Is it to evangelize people and make people like convert them? Is that the reason that the reason that you're doing this or is it to like genuinely help people? It all goes back to that. But, um, but ultimately, yeah, it's like if someone needs food, they're giving them food. Exactly. And And that's a good shelter. Then they're giving them shelter. And yeah, that is a good thing. And so we always want to keep that in mind. Um, and so now we're going to bed. So those (laughs) those are the two main good things. I think like community oriented and then outreach. Um, so, Another thing, I mean, like I said, community oriented already, but it's like, if it's a giant church, then like, there's also a lack of community because it's a giant church. Yeah. Um, and, and the biggest thing, which we've already talked about a ton is like extremely unhealthy power dynamics with leadership. And this can be on small levels mm-hmm. or huge levels like Carl Lentz, but like, um, there's a smaller mega church that's in, um, Charlotte, North Carolina called Elevation. And so my fr- I was talking to a friend who actually spent time living in um, Charlotte, and she just told me a couple very strange things mm-hmm. about um, how the pastor was treated there. And I mean, this is just from a, another person's perspective, but still. Um, so she had a friend who was helping out with one of their big outreach programs. And um, they uh, during the outreach program, the pastor like came, showed up, and essentially all of the volunteers were set were told, you will not speak to insert preacher name unless spoken to. Yeah. Like it was like no contact with him. Like as if he was like this like exactly a celebrity. Yeah. That like is like you don't want to bother him because he's a celebrity. And as if they're going to like come up to him and be like, I want to talk to you. Like, I want to talk to you. Like, like don't with bother it. me with your problem. Exactly. <laughs> like, is that not your entire job? And it was like a very close, small circle of leadership. So like very isolated, all men, of mm-hmm. course, no yeah. women allowed. No, no women allowed. And at least in this church specifically, there are some exceptions where like, obviously like Gwen Shamlin, yeah. but like, but this majority, you see very little women in leadership. And then unless they're leading other women, because, yeah. you know, that's okay. Yeah. Women can lead other women, but men, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, just wanted to make that clear. <laughs> um, and another thing that was, like, very creepy and strange was um, her a family, a family friend went to church with his kids, and they had coloring book pages. <laughs> and instead of, um, you know, having a coloring book page of, like, Jesus or, like, a parable from the bible the coloring book page was literally the pastor like, like the pa- they were coloring no. they were coloring the pastor the kids were coloring the pastor on the coloring book page like how does that not if you see that it should be like get out get out of here it's so bad like whose idea was that why did this ever go through yeah why would children ever want to color that exactly but they don't know any better they're like oh like look at this preacher like but still it's like so eerie like like literally pick any figure from the bible there's so many <laughs> like, like there's probably... so many people to choose from and they're like no our pastor 
absolutely at elevation church yeah elevation church stay away <laughs> do not go to elevation <laughs> church you heard it here first sorry okay um and then she also was just talking about how theatrical it was which we already kind of touched on but with the music at like hillsong and like these big churches like bethel it's like theatrical lights sound people that the, the leaders are on a stay elevated stage like they're having a concert walking around screaming like people dance like crazy um but it's so bizarre it is but okay so but now now that we've like you know done a little like general overview yeah um we're going to talk through some things that we think would define a mega church yeah so number one mega churches are their own denomination mm-hmm. so they get to pick and choose what they believe they get to choose or change what they believe depending on how they're feeling essentially <laughs> and um obviously that's really reflected in like these the places we focus on um another big thing that i've noticed is mega churches tend to not have any sort of governing body overseeing them yeah. in, in terms of like a bishop or a um, organization almost like it was almost like a government organization for churches mm-hmm. most most denominations or at least i know presbyterian methodist um let's see episcopal they have a governing body that oversees all the churches they they switch pastors from place they place pastors mm-hmm. there's not like a past they don't keep pastors for so long to where they're like become like people become obsessed with them you know what i mean it's all very calculated in like a good way that prevents these cult-like behaviors from occurring and also it keeps people accountable yeah um for toxic practices um another big draw is people who don't practice religion in general Mm -hmm. essentially like it's like more vulnerable and a lot of times more vulnerable populations um are like often more impressionable drawn, yeah drawn into these groups and these churches um under the guise of like welcoming fellowship and they're almost like used like mm-hmm. kind of like the college students yeah. at um hillsong mm-hmm. the college they're like almost used um to advance their goals without payment i think that's yeah. the biggest like one of the biggest flaws it's so capitalistic exactly they they use people and they don't pay them they that's use so people as up. customers it's yes. like they're paying customers exactly um, and what do they give back to them mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> ted talks ted talks yeah basically we love a ted talk um and then another thing is how one preacher in one location is streamed across the state or the country yeah um satellite campuses yeah and it just goes back into the fact that like it's like one person being like worshipped viewed listened to whatever you want to call it and commanding the attention of all these people and it's just like questionable i don't it's, know how yeah, people are okay with questionable that. When especially like, when yeah and we talked about like there's a church here that my family kind of grew up going to yeah not because we particularly liked the church but another draw of these mega churches is like they're just convenient exactly they're for extremely sure. accessible they're everywhere they're convenient like it's like oh we can 
park in like overflow parking and have a little bus drive us to the church so that we can avoid the inconvenience of like having to find parking like capitalism man literally it's like just yeah. like amazon <laughs> like it's yeah. like yeah yeah so yeah it's like an amazon of churches yeah <laughs> So it's like, you know, we're kind of talking about, is this one a mega church or not? It's a very large church and it does have multiple campuses, but it does have its own, like each campus has its own pastor. And leadership team. And leadership team. Yeah. So it's It's like like plants, church plants versus satellite campuses. Yeah. They're more plants than satellites. Yeah. Which makes a lot more sense. Which like, it's, it's like. In theory, like what you said, like it's like two thousand members, like equals a megachurch. Mm-hmm. So like it definitely is a megachurch yeah. by those standards. Yeah. But it's just in terms of comparing it to like a Hillsong, I don't think it's that extreme. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like it's not like flashy pastors. Yeah. And like Gucci and yeah, you know, taking private jets and stuff. So it's kind of like a middle ground where it does have some of the benefits of a megachurch in terms of like accessibility. But it also has that sense of, like, just not very personal. Yeah. Like, kind of depersonalized. Which, you know, for me, like, I liked that. Like, yeah. I don't want to have to talk one-on-one with a pastor. Yeah. Like, I'm like, let me just sit through the service. Like, Check stand it off up. The day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's get this over with. Let's go to the 11-11 overflow service. Like, I don't let's have to talk lunch. to anyone. What are we eating for lunch afterwards? <laughs> yeah. What are we being like, Las Palmas? Are yeah. we going to Las Palmas? Yeah. <laughs> So, um, like, it has its benefits. Um, but, yeah, and even then, though, they just talk so much about the money. And it's, like, the money is where things just get really icky, where it's, like, they are making so much money. When it's that big. And, yeah, and I just think I compare it to, like, the church I grew up at was, like, probably, like, 100 to, like, 150 people that went every week. Yeah. So it was very small in comparison. And we had this like money campaign because our church was literally going to get like shut down basically yeah. if we didn't raise like all this money in a short time. And like in that sense, it was like a pride thing. We were like, we're going to raise this money to like support our church, like keep it going. And it's just so much different than like a big church where they're like just getting then just funds, dropping especially it into in Brentwood. Yeah. Dropping in it into like a sea of bucket. money where it's like, you don't know where that's going. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's not like you, and I think they try to make it seem like it's transparent. And that's why, like, every service they talk about, like, we're opening this plant campus. We're, and like, that's why we want this money. Doing this. And that's why we need this money. But at some point, it's like, why? Why do you have to keep doing more and more and more plant churches? Like, there are plenty of churches in Tennessee, I promise. Like, there are literally more so than many. enough. There are more than it's enough. It's so interesting how, like, people are, like, it's, like, nonstop, like, wanting to create these churches. In the South, I'm, like... And I think it's part of it is like a power thing. Yeah. And in their minds, it's like they have good intentions because they're spreading the word of God. They're doing God's work. But it's like, why can't you just be part of a system? Like, you don't have to be your own church. Like, you want that power. You want that control. When in reality, it's like, like, just be a member of your church. It's like, and I think that's another very American thing where it's like, you just want to keep climbing. Like, what's the next step? What's the next step? It's, like, not being, like, okay with just being, like, at peace or, like, being okay with where you're at. It's so strange. Yeah. And it's, like, you would think religion would be the last place where that would, like, occur. But, of course, obviously not. Like, yeah. um, But, yeah, what you said, like, it's so strange that um, people want to create so many more campuses or, like, so many more churches. Yeah. 
We have so many. That's just what's odd to me. It's like, relax. There's enough. Yeah. There are enough, I promise. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, so those were like the main things. Oh, well, actually one more. Yeah. We already talked about this, but no women allowed, period. Yeah, like, no women allowed. There's like no women allowed in leadership, no women allowed to speak, no women. Maybe what? a husband-wife duo, yeah. but the husband's doing the He's leading, because the husband yeah. leads, of course. Don't forget that. Yeah, yeah, guys. yeah. Don't forget. Um, but yeah, it's very rare to see a woman in charge or a woman speaking. Um, it's just like, yeah, it's not biblical. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but also not. Um, And it's like, I don't know. I just, icky, icky, icky. Yeah. It's weird how many women just sit through those, like, assimilate almost. Yeah. To those standards. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand, but who knows? Um, Do we want to, have we covered, like, I don't know. There's one case in particular I know that we. Well, want yeah, to talk that's about. next. Okay, okay. Um, but I, I was that was the last of the list of like megachurch stuff. Yeah. But yeah, so we do want to touch on a particular case that happened around like four or five years ago, um, at a church. I don't. I think it was 2020. No, it was like 2018. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Um, it was this article was written in 2020, but it was. Oh, okay. Um, it happened in well maybe 2019 no it was when i lived with my friend so yeah it would have been like i want to say it was like 2018 mm-hmm. um but basically this girl um it was at a church called bethel which is very similar to hillsong i would say like would be like hillsong's like rival yeah i don't know in terms of like size mm-hmm. um it's huge it's in um california but a one of the children that attended the church, her name was Olive, passed away suddenly. Um, I don't really know if they said, I can't remember if they said what it was, what it was happened. Just like, a sudden, like. I guess SIDS is for infants. But yeah, yeah, that's what I, I just but like a like similar a, circumstance. It wasn't like anything, like a medical, unknown medical thing, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, and she passed away suddenly. And so essentially, who knows who like initially pushed this, but her mom went to Instagram, basically begging, asking, hoping that people would pray for Olive to be resurrected. Mm-hmm. Resurrected mean raised from the dead, raised from come the alive, dead. like return. And this is like legit. This woman like was pra- like was like begging people. Yeah, no, this like gave me. It, like, made my skin crawl. Read her, because the way that she poses it, it's almost like if you read that, it sounds like, oh, like, okay, maybe if the child was on life support, it sounds like that. But this is, like, this child is dead. Like, this child is in the morgue. She is dead. So sad. Okay, so this is the first, and we want to say, too, our, yeah, we both want to say that we're not really, like, talking badly about the parents like everyone grieves in different no, ways yeah. it's more about how the church collectively like enabled pushed them. this campaign and enabled them and like made them convince them that this was like even a possibility a possibility yeah which is like not cool no. so this is what the mom posted um she said we're asking for prayer we believe in a jesus who died and conclusively defeated every grave holding the keys to resurrection power we need it for our little olive who stopped breathing yesterday as head has 
been pronounced dead by doctors. We are asking for bold, unified prayer for the global church to stand with us and believe that he will raise his little girl back to life. Her time here is not done, and it is our time to believe boldly and with confidence that Jesus, King Jesus, will raise her from the dead and help her come to life. And so, like, basically, day by day after this initial post to happen, she would say, day three is a really good day for resurrection. Day four is a good day for resurrection. Basically, like, just continuing to believe that this is a true. And when I say this was a, like, this became, like, international. This was, Mm -hmm. like, hashtagging. um, Come alive. Oh, wake up, Olive. Yeah. This was, like, trending. Like, wake up, Olive. People were posting it all over, like, their Instagram and, like, the church was like basically encouraging this, like encouraging yeah. all these people to support this campaign. I mean, obviously, because it was giving them like press, but like it's just yeah. You have to wonder like what really are the motivations there? Yeah. Did you? See, I don't know if the video was part of this article or if uh. I saw this separately, but there's an actual video of them singing in church. It's like yeah, like a thousand people there, and they're singing like "Come up out of that." grave olive like they're literally singing something like come out of that tomb come out of that grave so they were like, like singing like as if to olive yes yes and it's like oh there's just so much wrong with it there's so much wrong with it it's so disturbing yeah these parents are probably like beside themselves delirious delusional with grief like understandably and instead of the people around them comforting them and being like Helping them get through and, like, address their grief and, like... And letting go. Yeah. Because she is dead. Like, you have to let her go. And instead, they're pushing this idea that maybe she's not gone. Maybe, like, a miracle will happen if we... If it's our will that this happens. And it's like, you know, I'm not, you know, a religious person. Mm -hmm. But it's like, that's certainly not how miracles are supposed to work. Like, they're miracles. They're happen for no reason you it's know? not like it's you not like, like target like it's not it's like it's not like you make a campaign for a, mir- for a miracle like, to happen we're gonna get all these people to pray so like a miracle will happen yeah and like i mean ultimately a couple like i don't know how many days later but i think it was a week a week bethel music which is like through the church yeah. was the one who made a post on behalf of the family and so it was like the church was orchestrating like and orchestrating is like a, a probably a bad word but like the church was like supporting them through this campaign they were advocating for them and they were essentially like not tell like cuz it's like if that someone came up to me and said that I'd be like are you like like I'm sorry that that happened like you don't it's not a okay yeah like let me encourage you no, that your yeah. baby is going to come back to life yeah like, and for so many people to be doing that, it's like, yeah, it's like a group think, but that has to come from the leadership of the church. And yeah, so you have to wonder, are they actually delusional enough to think that that could happen? Or yeah, is it like, oh, well, we, you know, are going to get a lot of attention for this. It sounds so sick even mentioning that, but like, I don't know. I I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. And so I'm looking at this, um article that we read through and like yeah it's just so it's like normal for a parent to cling to any ray of hope yeah and so it shouldn't be their fault but when you go and look at like what the bethel church teaches 
um, it's a like pre-scientific age like mm. teachings um, in which a world is awash with miracles and magic and the concept of natural law, law is hazy at best. They run a school through the church and it's called Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. It teaches a course on how to perform miracles. I mean, yikes. Yeah. That's like the worst. I don't know. Reading that really, like, made my skin crawl. Yeah, and it's... Yeah, and it's... I feel bad for the parents. Yeah, I feel so... It's, that's the thing. It's like, I feel so bad for the parents. Um, it's just... And it's the thing. It's like, you can't say the same for the thousands of Christians and the church and all these people online who continue to encourage them that mm-hmm. the impossible was possible. Yeah. And it's just, that doesn't happen. Yeah. People don't rise from the dead. Yeah. And like, honestly, this is so horrible of me, but like when I first heard of this, cause my, one of my roommates told me about it. Um, I was like, this is a stunt. Like, yeah, this is literally a stunt and they're gaining all this traction and this momentum for her to like, not be dead yeah which is such a bad thing for me to think but it's like it's, it's like, like no logical person can hear that and think like okay i mean it's just it doesn't make any sense like yeah this little girl's gonna be resurrected and i know we're just like talking in circles now about yeah. it but it honestly was just so disturbing and i feel like that's the worst that mega churches have to offer like this false not false sense of hope but this like false sense of control i guess that like they are mm-hmm. not like at the center of the universe but you know what i mean it's just this like self-importance almost that in this case is manifesting in this like ridiculous belief that like we can will this to happen yeah and i think another thing that they kind of touched on was how um people whose like faiths are able to exist through, you know, science and like society or whatever, um, are able to, and like people want to say like with faith, it's like people believe faith to an extent that it's like, doesn't challenge what they see and what they observe. And it's like, when you get to a point in your faith where you're literally believing in things that are outright on impossible, Mm -hmm. it's like, you're gonna like you're gonna lose it like it's like there is like faith and hope faith in like these bold like broad terms Mm -hmm. but it's kind of hard when you're like literally being like oh i want this person that is blind to see Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna make this blind person see i'm gonna make this like person who can't walk walk yeah I mean, it makes me uneasy seeing these things even when it's the case of someone who is clearly terminally ill you know and it's like these big campaigns for a miracle where you know in this case it's completely outrageous because the little girl is dead Mm. but even in a case like that it just makes me so uncomfortable because it's like well then what happens when the person inevitably passes away because they are terminally ill and that's just a fact of life you know i just don't understand where the churches go from there it's like okay well all of our prayers didn't work I guess God wanted them dead. And I think the thing you know? that the thing that they how they spun what happened with Olive was because it became such a big worldwide phenomenon, they were like, we were able to 
reach so many through her message. Exactly. Yeah. So and it's that's like they like, twist it. Yeah, exactly. To fit whatever new narrative, like they just, yeah, I don't know. It just makes me uneasy. And I understand like, you know, wanting to believe in miracles in cases. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not in this case, because she's literally dead. But, mm-hmm. you know, in cases where people are like ill and people are like on life support or in a coma. But yeah, it's just like that. And I feel like it's distinctly American, this feeling that God has such specific control over, you know, like particular events, like very, very, very specific things. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And I mean, I'm not one, like, if that's, you know, I don't want to, like, shit on anyone's And so that's the whole thing is, like, we want to say that, like, we, it's not particularly about, like, christianity collectively it's like we want to single out this like these churches and these institutions that are like perpetuating like perpetuating like unhealthy power dynamics Mm -hmm. unhealthy structures and like literally like taking advantage of like vulnerable people who will give them their money give them their time and they won't get anything back in return and that's really what we wanted to take from this yeah it's not meant to be like a like criticizing of religion and like christianity which like obviously it like it could appear that way in some capacity but, like, we're more wanting to look at, like, these big institutions. And the evangelicalism. Like, evangelical Christianity is a lot different it's than Christianity. It's very different. It's its own, like, breed where I feel like it's a lot more exploitative. It's a lot more... Yeah, and not, like, everyone who's evangelical, but it's, like... And, again, not to make it seem like, oh, all these people are sheep, but it's, like, a lot of people just being taken advantage of by the leadership of these mega churches mm-hmm. being led to believe these things that are insane, that are objectively insane, you know, yeah. and like the olive case is just probably the most extreme. Case and it's of so that. sad. And we, and it's so sad. Whereas, yeah. It's just interesting. Cause it is like a spectrum, but we want to talk about, we're talking more about institutions, not about necessarily like the religion collectively. Yeah. We want to make sure. And the thing that, that evangelicals, it's, you know, it's not about God. It's about, or it's more like, well, what can God do for us? Like in a greedy way. And like, and how a, does it, a like, it's more about way. me, not about others. Yeah. Which I feel like the whole Christianity and like Jesus was all about reaching others and like helping others. And it's like, oh, what can I like? oh, I gain, I save these people. Yeah, it's like We save these people. I don't know. I don't know. It's almost like a transactional thing that they make it into. Yeah. You know, like one prayer equals... (laughs) One prayer equals one. um... Wait, what was it like? (laughs) There's just so many memes about like... Um, I wish I could oh. one like equals one prayer yeah, or something like yeah. that. It's like that's literally <laughs> what they do on social media. Uh, prayers like prayers can help help people, but they may not help like things that already have occurred. Yeah, you can't change things that have happened through yeah. prayer. Yeah, I guess the thing is, and and to each it's like their a hopeful own. practice. I think it's yeah, a thing. prayer. Yeah. It feels like it should be for like yeah, giving someone peace, giving someone hope, giving someone closure. Yeah, not giving someone a very specific outcome. Like that yeah, none of us have any control over. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I'm really sorry that your loved one is sick. I, like, pray that you have peace and closure. Like, I'm praying for, yeah. Not, I pray that they are miraculously cured. I pray that they survive. Yeah. Like. like, Yeah. 
Okay. I just feel like it's, <laughs> it, it's inevitably sets people up for like not disappointment. It's just weird. It's a no, weird dynamic sure. that's created. Um, but yeah, I know. I know. It probably sound think, rambly. But... Yeah, and we could go on and on about it because it is just like so. Like it just represents. It's a big, bigger representative representation of like the institutions that are established in the United States that like oppress people in general. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. And I, I guess f- the biggest message is just to like, make sure you're aware, like yeah. be mindful. Like don't <laughs> like, just make sure whatever church you're going to doesn't view you as a customer. Yes. Cause that's like, ultimately like you are a customer of Hillsong. You're a customer of these mega churches. Yeah. That's not how it should be. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Period. And that is, and Thank you all for listening. I know it is it's one of our long longer one. episodes, but I think it is like an important topic. Yeah, and I'm no, glad we like focused on it. It's really interesting. But hope you guys have a great week. Yeah. Um, this is Sister Emma. This is Eleanor. And we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Bye, Bye guys. Sisters. Bye, sisters.